you to meet Angelica Jarvis. My dad is missing. He thinks Jason is back and he's probably gone after him again. But what about the rumors? What about the rumors that there's a homicide investigation? Rumors? I don't deal in rumors, kid. But what about Jason? Dad left you a note on the table. Please look after your sister. I don't know when I'll be home. You know, his mom was original. You that killer, right? Whatever happened to his dad? He passed away. Alone and grieving from the sound of it. Sounds like he really loved his kid. A lot. He's back. Listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. Um, normally, this is a podcast about a movie, and we'll spoil that movie, and so on and so forth. This time, it is a little different. Um, this is a forthcoming movie. This is a, a bunch of inside information. And uh, Friday the 13th, Vengeance. Is that the official title, John? Friday the 13th, Vengeance. All right. Well, I am normally here with two other co-hosts, but... I'm here with John Ravenholt, whom I have known since teen years, and was happily surprised to find out that you worked on this uh, forthcoming fan film. Um, before we get too far, I do want to thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro, Creature Features. Uh, find their music on Amazon or iTunes, where you can buy it digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are, the Moon-Rays. And I can't go into an episode without thanking them. Um, now, like I said, normally it's me with two other hosts, but I'm um, just here with John and uh, John Ravenholt, who uh, y- you are tied to Jason Voorhees, and, uh, and I'm so thrilled to find this out. Uh, first of all, Friday the 13th, Vengeance. Everyone's been hearing that the 
Friday the 13th franchise and the character of Jason Voorhees is just caught up in litigation. There's a big fight over who owns the rights to what property and what names and the characters and so on and so forth. Yet here comes a film. Everyone wants to know what what's happening, how did it happen, what's going on. You want to just start there? I'll see if I can fill in a little background for you. Because it's in litigation, of course, only a fan film can go forward at this point because nobody can profit off the name Friday the 13th or Jason Voorhees. So we begin with a passion project in Idaho called Mythos and uh, had about a 30-minute script and we filmed about 10 minutes of it and then set out to make our fortunes to produce the other uh, 20 minutes of the script and we were unsuccessful at that time we hadn't laid the groundwork yet to get the word out that we were doing this but the film we came up with was very powerful and we'd had a, we'd had uh, some nice uh, intro pieces and some nice trailers put together and our director took that and headed to Crypticon up in Seattle where he then networked uh, what he had and got feedback from some folks and ended up meeting the folks that ended up making Vengeance possible. And their concept was that let's back off, rewrite the script with a, a new writer here to uh, make it a longer script and go for a full-length movie instead of just this 30-minute fan film. And in doing so, it changed substantially from the storyline we had with Mythos and became what we now know as Vengeance. Uh, I was fortunate that uh, most elements of that initial script were discarded in the rewrite, but they liked what we had done so much with the Mythos script and my character and a couple others that were with us that they incorporated that part into the new script and then brought us along. And we filmed up in Washington. Um, it's, I think, important to note that you know, what was different this time than last time kind of thing. And it was that we laid the groundwork of getting the word out to the fans first that we had this on the books and we were getting ready to launch and didn't have, you know, 10 minutes of film for it. Um, we had a script that was strong. And once we got kind of everybody excited and worked up that there was something real in the works, uh, we launched the GoFundMe campaign, which was very quickly funded this time. <laughs> That's the first question that comes to mind is when you have GoFundMe or Kickstarter or any of these uh, crowdfunding uh, platforms, you know, uh, there are some things that don't fund and, and like Indiegogo and all these things. There are some things that don't fund or it takes right up to the last minute. And how quickly do you know how quickly this funded? I want to say it was two weeks, but it might have been a little longer than that. It was certainly a night and day from how we had proceeded with Mythos. And we did have some bumps along the way that I won't get into that made us wonder if we were really going to hit our funding uh, goals. Part of, part of what worked out is that in uh, going to Crypticon, our director was able to network and meet several people who were involved with with the Friday the 13th franchise, and that continues to happen. Um, and in getting them excited and on board, we found that we were able to add some SAG actors that were involved with the series. But the caveat was that they could not make any money off of it because mm -hmm. it was a fan film. So it set a tone that if we raised money, we needed it for production and the, uh, the sets and the things that have to, to be uh, included in making a film, but that we couldn't profit and pay salaries per se, so we had to donate that to charity. And I believe the charity they went with was uh, Children's Cancer Research for Shriners. Awesome. And we've already, to my knowledge, we've already donated $30,000 to 
Shriners of the excess money right. uh, after production. Yeah, the, the Shriners uh, are awesome that way. Um, and we should mention that that director is Jeremy Brown. Jerry Brown of Brown Space Films, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Dustin Montgreth that uh, does uh, his sidekick, and the two of them produce some pretty amazing film. And Dustin is the director of photography, editor, and producer, among probably several other hats that yeah. he wears. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah, it's good to have multi-talented people on a production like that. Now, when fans hear about this, like people who are like, you know, kind of see themselves as the diehard Friday the 13th fans, um, they might be a little reticent to think this is something of good quality. And then you watch the trailer and it looks 100% legit. Like this is what you would want the next Friday the 13th film to look like and feel like. So, uh, Part of this is you get a you get a Jason you get a good looking Jason you don't just get a hockey mask and a dude with like a tattered up army jacket um, so you have Jason Brooks playing Jason Voorhees. Jason Brooks is incredible. He came down from Seattle to help us with Mythos initially, and it was there that we realized what a um, gem we had in him. Was he just a cosplayer, Jason, before that, or yeah. had he acted? Oh, I, I don't know his full <laughs> repertoire. He had built his own gear. And so uh, I think he started with the love of the series as well and had gone and built a full latex mask that he liked and, you know, take it to the next step of just buying something at the horror store. And right. Had come up with this great uh, uh, mask he's had. I, I have to say Jeremy's more involved with knowing how Jason came into our lives. But I will say that down on Mythos in, in Idaho, having him sitting around the campfire between takes in his full Jason outfit... <laughs> Or, uh, as he popped outside of a motorhome and put a flashlight on his face and scared the hell out of all of us, was a <laughs> unique experience because Jason to me was you know something I came in contact with when I was 14, 15 years old. Or mm -hmm. So and then to have him kind of buddy buddy with you, uh, uh, hanging around the campfire is yeah. uh, pretty special. And so then he took it even a step further when they went on to Vengeance. I think he rebuilt the mask he had, which I thought was fantastic, and really took it up another level. But he brings, he is the next Jason. And uh, we're hoping that if the franchise does uh, get out of its litigation, that they'll certainly consider him for the next role. They do as well. That would be awesome. And, and of course, when you look at, uh, you look at some of the cosplayers, if, you know, for anybody who doesn't go to a lot of conventions, there are cosplayers who have screen quality costumes and props. I've seen things that, all you had to do was have him walk on set, and it's ready to go. Yeah. You know, Jason brings—I mean, he brings the terror with him. That's awesome. Uh, which is funny because if you see him without the makeup, he's about as nice a guy as you'd ever want to meet. But uh, once he dons the the uniform and the hockey mask, uh, you kind of want to run the other way. Yeah. So that's the, uh, and of course, growing up, uh, you know, your your formative years in the in the mountains, in the woods, as as you did, and and I. I didn't at first, but that's where we met, was up in the uh, northern panhandle of Idaho. The last thing you would want to see if you were around a campfire, a bonfire, uh, you know, anything roadside out in the sticks, the last thing you would want to see would be Jason Voorhees. Yeah. And here you are around a campfire, and Jason Voorhees is right there. Absolutely. That must have been quite, uh, quite the feeling. Well, imagine those who were involved in the filming of him as he comes out of the lake. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Vengeance picks up after Friday the 13th, 6. I mean, I think that's part of the reason 
that the fans that are skeptical are wondering. I mean, Jason's been to Manhattan. Jason's been to space. Yeah. Uh, you know, how does this all play in? We pick up where Tommy McLaughlin left us. Right. Right after they've they've put him down in the bottom of the lake with a rock. And so our, our uh, tail, tail picks up shortly after that. And so this is being billed as a 30 years later uh, sequel, essentially. It uh, has a little bit of everything. I mean, we have the, yes, it's 30 years later uh, out at Camp Crystal Lake, but then we also have some flashbacks in there. Uh, we've done some effort to recreate some of the video style that was used in the very first movie. So you'll see scenes that are reminiscent of your memories of, of uh, Friday the 13th 1. Uh, there's Easter eggs planted for the whole series throughout. If you're nice. a, a big fan, you're going to find all kinds of things that uh, uh, allude to one or another of the movies leading up to our, our entrance. So let's let's talk for a second about um, about the location and the sets that were built, especially for the movie in Woodenville, Washington. Uh, one of the most remarkable things, and I think it's where most of us knew we had really got involved with something special was Mick Strom came aboard and uh, he was a production designer on Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. Oh, he was the art director on 3 and then the production designer on 4. Uh, he was involved with Fantastic Four. He did some work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The blood scene in Blade was his. So he was truly a master of the horror in the Hollywood world and he'd gone into retirement. He met uh, Jeremy up at Crypticon and they struck off a friendship, and he realized that maybe it was time to come out of retirement to bring the magic back to the audience. And he's uh, a number of times mentioned that what he likes most about our production is it's, it's a passion. I mean, we're all donating our time and our effort and our salaries to the, to the Shriners, and so he jumped both feet in, along with one of our other producers, um, Sean uh, Lautzis, I believe his name is, and... Uh, he had a property in Woodenville that was big enough and had enough different locations that we were able to pretty much film most of it on his property. So Sean went in there on a kind of a plot of land next to his guest house and built us Camp Crystal Lake uh, from the ground up. And, uh, you know, you're, you're down in Boise hearing we're going to go film up Seattle. That's exciting. But when you look and see that you've got a... Uh, a member of the film community of the level of, sh of uh, <coughs> excuse me, Mick, and he's building you a Camp Crystal Lake from the ground up, and he's got the designs for these kills, and he's got the designs for how he wants to bring Jason, uh, the magic of Jason, back to life. You know you've got something special, and that's continued to snowball. We keep adding elements to our, uh, our show that are from the actual series, uh, both in actors and talent and back you know, behind the screen talent that to make us more of, well, as the catchphrase is, we're more than a fan film. Right. Now, that being said, uh, are the cabins and whatnot going to be accurate to what you saw in Six or... Or is it just a, uh, a very similar take? Do you know that? Or? Well, we made the attempt to, to mimic everything. So, you know, we have the cabins dressed one way so that they're 30-year-old, you know, cabins from 30 years ago. And then we have them uh, dressed up with other elements of uh, wear and tear and, and uh, uh, graffiti and such that show that, well, these have, have uh, gone 30 years into the future. And so we kind of bounce around on the timeline a bit. 
Oh, good. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that I can reveal at this point. Yeah, so we're so we're seeing uh, storytelling on a timeline that slides forward and back. Yeah, and we've got the sets uh, handled accordingly, and uh, you're in a location that looks and feels like this is Camp Crystal Lake. Absolutely. So you well, got the and they, woods right there. And I will have to say, I did not film. We don't have a lake there, right. so they did do some filming on a lake, but that was none of my scene work. So I actually don't know. Uh, where that lake was. The boss had gotten a, a house up on a lake a little further north, and uh, I can't tell you exactly what lake that was. So. Okay. And, of course, all that could come out later. And uh, if we do get a chance to have Jeremy Brown on the show, of course we will. Absolutely. And if for as many horror cons as I personally attend, uh, you know, this should happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I can probably put in a good word for you. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, and uh, one other question about the, the film and its release. Uh do we know, first of all, specific release date and when it is released? How is it going to be released? Well, what I'm, you know, it's gone through a couple of renditions, and I think they slowed down their initial projection. They were hoping to have it kind of buttoned up by June or July, and and uh, then uh, somebody got the idea that we should release it on Friday the 13th, which the first one of those is September, or at least uh, past our production date. So I think they're right now, they've put out there there's going to be a, Friday the 13th release uh, in the East Coast and then one in Seattle as well. Um, the East Coast one is being done where the original movie was filmed in Blairstown, New Jersey on September 13th, which will be a Friday, of course. And that one's actually going to be attended by C.J. Graham as well as Jason Brooks. And then we'll have uh, Tommy McLaughlin there and Bugsy Wilson from the game, Friday the 13th game. Nice. And he's also in the film, but uh, they're going to attend the red carpet premiere in Blairstown. And I believe they're also giving away a number of, uh, of souvenirs that were props used in the movie. We produced a number of props. that Screen-used props. Yes. And, uh, you know, things that have been slightly changed from what you might recognize, but at a glance you'd think it's the same. So we didn't uh, violate anybody else's copyrights. But, oh, that's, that's cool. Uh, so Tom McLaughlin, who was the... Um, the director of uh, Friday the 13th, Jason Lives, worked on this film. Uh, final performance ever, we're allowed to say this? Yeah. Steve I, Dash? Steve Dash was a real special addition. Yeah. He was another one that uh, Jeremy kind of, I believe, got involved with up at Crypticon or one of these cons. And, and, and Steve was Jason in part two. Yeah. Okay. And he wasn't able to travel because of health issues. And so, uh, but he was very excited about our project. He liked the script. He liked the passion we were involved with. He wanted to return to the screen. And, um, but uh, we had to fly our crew down to Florida to do his part. So when I say we were all done in Washington, some of it was done in Florida just to capture Steve Dash's. Yeah, so uh, you could presence. consider those pickups or whatever you want to. Correct. Whatever you want to say, but it wasn't actual location stuff. Right. And uh, So there won't be any alligators or tourists? No, no, and it'll look like it's yeah. Washington as Re well. Retirees, any of that right. in the scene? Okay. So. Don't want to give up his character right now, but I will say that uh, he'd spent many years in Hollywood. Yeah. It was a unique character. Everybody on the set that got to meet him just sings his praises. But he had some health issues, and he put them off so that he could film Vengeance and help us raise money for the Shriners. And shortly after... Um, he left us and so yeah. this was his final movie there is a um, a documentary out about Steve I have that here um, so Jason um, let's see uh, Jason worked on that as well 
Well, they helped put it together okay. to get it out, but it was yeah. about Steve Dash's life. It's called Steve Dash, Husband, Father, Grandfather, a Memorial Documentary. Correct. And I believe you can find it online right now. Okay. That it's out there. You asked also about how else we're releasing this. So not everybody can get back to the East Coast. We're going to have a premiere somewhere in Seattle, I believe, on the same weekend. Um, and some other ones are being planned that aren't uh, mapped out yet. Maybe Las Vegas, although that may be a private one. Um, but we're hoping to get a big showing. Now, obviously, because we crowdfunded this, some people have purchased DVDs and things that are going to go out, or Blu-rays that will go out to them when it's produced, and it will be released online. Since we can't profit from the movie, there's no reason for us to hold back and try to sell it to theaters. We can't uh, legally do so. So everybody will be able to see Friday the 13th Vengeance online. And at this time, I think Vimeo is where they're looking. Okay. And maybe YouTube, but I know Vimeo is what I'd heard. So as long as you've got good bandwidth, you'll be able to just stream, stream yeah, it and stream watch it. stream it and watch it. And what I would suggest for anybody who hasn't already, which uh, there's quite a few who have, we have a pretty good presence on social media under Friday the 13th Vengeance. So you certainly want to go and join that page. So the that Facebook can, group. The yeah. Facebook group so that you're getting the information and they will post links as soon as it's released. Great. Now, do you want to talk at all about your experience filming this and the character you played? Well, well you started off saying, you know, that uh, it's amazing to see your old friend associated with Jason. Yeah. Uh, the joke I like coming up with is uh, I'm now one degree away from Kevin Bacon, so I jumped a couple <laughs> degrees in this. Uh, I join at the when this airs, I'll now join the alumni of people who have had a run-in with Jason in the woods or elsewhere and didn't live to tell about it. Right. So. Uh, did you in in on your you have actually have an IMDb page? Yeah. Um, so what's up with the uh, slash on your neck? Can you talk about that in one of the pictures? Is that from this movie? Can no, you, can actually, you? that's from getting hit in the head with a shovel in a in another Brown Space production. Oh. You know, it's been interesting. I started in back into film. I have a degree in theater, but I didn't do anything with it for many years, and raised some kids and such. And I'm just now entering back into uh, uh, making some some content. And I got hooked up with Brown Space Film on some small uh, project in Boise where I was a, a vampire or something like that. But since then, I've shot several. Uh, I've been a, a, a character in several of his films, and one of them was a movie called Within, I think. It was oh, Yeah, Within, where I get uh, whacked in the side of the head with a shovel by somebody <laughs> who's uh, not too happy with me at the time. And uh, for a while there, I was using that as my quote-unquote headshot. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So in, in uh, so in the movie, the the, the vengeance, Friday the Thirteenth, vengeance. Uh, what is your character? Uh, I play a guy by the name of Frank Castile. As I said, these uh, three characters followed us from Mythos into this, and in Mythos, we were a wilderness uh, survival guides, if you will. We were going to lead a group of kids out into the woods um, for its own nefarious reasons, but. In Vengeance, we are a ghost tours, uh, Legend 57 ghost tours. Okay. And here it is 30 years past the uh, gruesome uh, Crystal uh, Camp Crystal Lake murders. Camp Blood. Yeah, Camp Blood. And so <laughs> yeah. I have this high dollar, uh, let's lead you on a weekend tour, grab your backpacks, kids, give me your money, and I'll lead you around and show you the... You know where Jason lived in the woods, or uh, you know well, here's the cabin where it all happened, or here's here's the uh, place where one of his other victims fell, and a lot of ooh and ah and spook you in the dark kind of stuff. 
So I'm the leader of this uh, Legends 57 Ghost Tours, Frank Castile. And uh, there's uh, some interesting twists in, in that this is big business for this area. Camp Crystal Lake got uh, some money. People have figured out how to kind of milk money on the... Uh, yeah, just like Roswell. ID. Exactly. You go down to Roswell, and, and you're going to buy souvenirs, T-shirts. Right. So go to the Alien Museum. If you go to Camp Crystal Lake and you got a you know a thousand bucks in your pocket, good old Frank Castile will take you out and show you where Jason did them all in. All right. And so that's your character. That is my character. I've got a couple sidekicks in there, and uh, we do a little joking around with the campers and trying to spook them. And yeah, it's kind of fun. The neat part about it is, and and just because of the podcast, some of this comes out. Most people don't know. This story is is I don't want to say epic, but it's very. It's it you know it sweeps the whole series up to six. It uh, it goes back and forth in timelines. It's got side stories in there, so it's not kind of a straight one line weaving through story. Um, it's got several stories that blend together, uh, and I think it's going to give the fans something more substantial to chew on than than uh, the simple slasher film where the, the killer does everybody in. Now I don't know about you, but I have a rule for myself. And that is anything on the internet, don't read the comments. You really don't need to feel infuriated for no good reason at all. Yeah, that's probably and, true. And that will 100% happen if you read the comments on anything. Literally, <laughs> it, could be a, it could be a guacamole recipe, and you're just going to read the comments and just feel your blood pressure go up. So I normally don't. But I was on Bloody Disgusting uh, on their website reading about this uh, in preparation for you know seeing you and talking about this. Uh, doing this episode and the comments i mean there are people who know nothing about this movie who are already hating on it they're just ready to hate on it and i think that the filmmakers for as much care as they've given this um you know probably have nothing to worry about uh but this is going to happen you know there's going to be super fans there's going to be absolutely diehards and there's going to be naysayers um what do you think their experience is going to be like when they finally set eyes on this, if they do. Well, are they going to be surprised at how good it is? You know, we got we had a number of actors flown in for Mythos. I, I keep referring back to that because that's really where my journey began with this. And that's the short film? That was, was the short how, film. How we got you? 10 minutes of, okay. of it in the can. It was supposed to be about 30 minutes, and we had a script done, and we just didn't, uh, We it, it morphed into what we were doing here. But uh, I think what you found was that people... They would ask, you know, what are we into here? They'd flown in from Atlanta or L.A. to be part of this show. They're in Idaho in the woods. They've never heard of this production company. What can you expect? And having done a, a, a few short films with Brown Space Film, I was most impressed that this two-man team of Jeremy and Dustin in the modern age with the right equipment are able to produce stories that hold their own and measure up to anything you'll find coming out of Hollywood. They're using the same cameras. Uh, they're painstaking about their editing processes. Uh, they're very sharp about how they're scoring it and trying to line things up. Uh, certainly they've had their mistakes along the way, but I've always been impressed more so by the final product than even the process of getting there. And, and I've seen it enough time that I was able to look at the rest of the cast and say, the thing I know about Brown Space Films is what comes out the end of this machine. It may look messy on the front side, or you may not sure in the middle of how it's going, but when they're done and they put their stamp on it and release it, it's top-notch filmmaking. So I stand by that, and if I haven't had to eat my words yet. Right. Uh, and this is the biggest thing they've done. They've been hard at it. 
I think the other thing to mention is, you know, you can kind of tell a project by the company it keeps. Um, and we've managed to draw the attention of people like, well, like Mick Strom. And Tom McLaughlin and Tom, Steve Dash. Oh, that's who I was going yeah. with, is Tom McLaughlin. Okay, here's a guy. We're following his movie. He has been on set supervising the set while we were shooting. He dropped in. He was just so impressed. He, he hung around and gave some notes. He certainly didn't take it over to become the director, but he had some things to offer Jeremy. They've become good friends. Um, and uh, most recently, I've heard that he's been seen in the editing room. Wow. So if Tommy McLaughlin who's lining up his next script, which also follows six. If, you know, when the when they get past the litigation, apparently he's got a script in the works. And yet, you, you might consider that, are we competition for his next piece? He's right in there helping us out and putting it together and is excited about what we're doing. Uh, Manfredi's pretty excited about what we're doing, too. And, and um, I guess I can say that... Uh, at the last Crypticon, we managed to not have to figure out how to make music that sounds like Friday the 13th without <laughs> stepping on Manfredi's toes right. because Manfredi has offered to score our movie. Now, if you've got the former directors and you've got the production designers and you've got the former Jasons all jumping on board, I think that's a pretty good sign that there's something of quality and there's something of substance being produced here, and they wouldn't mind having their names on it too. Right. So uh, we've got C.J. Graham, uh, Tom McLaughlin. We've got Steve Dash. We've got all these. We've got all these people. Um, there is no reason whatsoever this shouldn't look and feel like the real deal, and arguably be part of the lexicon uh, for real. And this should make fans happy or at least tied them over, if nothing else. Well, as those who follow the series know, they were at a juncture just this uh, couple months back where it looked like maybe, you know, the litigation was gonna wrap up and that would open up the door for the next official Friday the 13th, you know, movie to be released in theaters. And then they moved back into mediation, or I think it was they were in mediation, they moved back into court. Uh, but. So that's going to slow down that timeline again. The fans are hungry for some more Jason. Right. You know, they love the Jasons that are out there, but uh, like any good series, you want some more. You want something new. You want something fresh. Uh, and I think uh, we are here to serve them up a heaping platter of just exactly what they're looking for. And with its kind of large scope story, it's really going to fill a lot of niches. As, and, and it's going to be somewhat new for the Friday the 13th uh, franchise that we have taken on some of the subject matter we have, some of which I really can't discuss at this point. Right, of course. And uh, and we're only a matter of weeks out now from that, the premiere, so I think people can handle waiting just a little bit longer. We've all waited this long. And I've always said that uh, there's nothing worse than uh, the people who own a property uh, taking it forward and screwing it up. And it's kind of great to have it in the in the hands of actual fans, people who really care about it, to take it forward and hopefully not screw it up. But you know, like you can't you can't expect um, a lot of people who who are just looking at making money off of something, or uh, a better example would be some film studios will make one more, like let's say for example Universal has to make one more Dracula or Frankenstein film so they can uh, hang on to the rights to the characters the way they've designed them. So they'll just make a thing just to make a thing uh, to hang on to the rights 
It's like, why wouldn't you just take the care and do the thing properly and hang on to the rights? Absolutely. So this is, this is going to be more sincere, best I can tell, because there's none of that in mind. Well, there's, there's just fandom in mind. Exactly. I, and, and Mick made this point a number of times, that the reason he came out of retirement to do our production design was the passion. He says there's nothing worse than you know being on a set in Hollywood with a bunch of old men calling all the shots and counting the beans as they do. And that you know the script's there and the people are there and the actors want to do their job, but uh, the passion may not be there. They tell a story and they're good at it and they'll they'll be professionals, but they don't have the you know passion. And when you put a group of people that are this passionate about something, so passionate that they'll all work for free. Over a two-month period we had for the main filming, everybody flew up and everybody uh, got to set, and uh, certainly we were provided craft services and places to stay and such. Uh, we were treated very well on set, actually. But nobody had a paycheck from it because we all want this project to fly. And when you, you know, it's well enough for those of us without names uh, too far up the food chain, but you, when you find SAG actors taking on major roles that they're not getting paid for simply because of the love and the passion they have for the project, that passion's going to translate into a product that's going to be passionate for the fans as well. Right. Uh, that being said, uh, we could only hope that uh, that most of the fans will be happy, and then the naysayers are just going to... You're, you're always going to have them. You you're going to have haters no matter what you do. And that's what Jason does on the weekend. He goes finds the haters. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. Was there anything we didn't cover? Well... Uh, I, I want to make. I so. want to make sure we cover. Well, we have a. a there's going to be a character in there that's going to be new, and I think the buzz has been out there for some people, and some people know more about him than others. And I'm somewhat muted on what I can say, but there is uh, uh, going to be a character by the name of Elias, a mysterious, dark character named Elias, and Elias is going to bring you something special on Friday the Thirteenth. That is awesome. So that's something to look forward to. Um, yeah, I think if we've covered it all, we'll uh, we'll let you get. To, I know you have to catch a flight, but yeah, I'm I'm really glad you took time from your busy schedule to talk about the movie and uh, your part in it and what you know about it. And uh, the listeners, of course, uh, just have to go find the Facebook page for Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance, and that'll keep them updated. Absolutely, and if you can give my IMBD page a like, well, you can and rise yeah. my meter a little bit. I'm pretty excited to be on this set and I think Brown Space has got some other projects lined up that are going to be uh, spectacular as well. Yeah, so uh, so you're prominent in those. So on IMDb it's John Ravenholt spelled J O N and then obvious spelling of Ravenholt. Uh, there won't be another one that's just you. Yeah, yeah, I think there's an A in the middle there somewhere but Okay. Uh, it's uh, you know as I step forward and 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 uh, get involved in these projects and especially this one I think the there's nowhere but up yeah, for sure. Well, John, thanks for being on the show. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Listeners, thank you for listening.